I hope you're doing fantastic. Today, let's talk about overcoming anger with Lex. Lex is a fitness and mindset trainer. She built and ran a high six-figure fitness studio. She was featured on Fox, CBS, US Daily Ledger. What you're going to learn today specifically or how to identify indicator that you have anger challenges, the main belief high achievers struggle with, how to keep your why alive as you progress within your business or, or entrepreneurial journey and how to leverage your sleep for maximum efficiency and result. I really enjoyed this conversation with Lex. She was open and genuine and vulnerable about how she was able to overcome her challenges. Enjoy the show. How are you doing, Lex? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on. Let's just get straight into it. Tell us a little bit more about who Lex is, who was Lex in her teenage, if I were to meet you, uh, say it's cool or on the streets or wherever you was. Tell me a little, bit, a little bit more about your upbringing and who you are. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was a different person then, right? Um, I hope everybody can see that for themselves. So I grew up in Eastern Europe. Um, I didn't have great habits. I didn't, I didn't like school. I was like a B student. And that's because my dad kept helping me out. I didn't have much ambition, but I just remember things not making sense to me as to what I was told, go to school, get a job, and then you retire. And I was like, that's just not making any sense. Like, why would I do that for 40 years? And so actually being in Eastern, Eastern Europe, I didn't have any other answers to that question, but I never luckily let it die. And it was always just there bugging me. And so even when I finished school, um, high school is mid, mid of, middle of high school, I moved to States. And that's when really that inner transition started happening. There were so many things happening in my life, but long story short, in the next 20 years was real change to who I am today. I feel like be, be, before that point, everything was the same. I didn't, like I said, I had that inner questioning, but I didn't question deep enough and I couldn't even get the answers. And then after that, it was like, oh, wait, there's people who are successful. Oh, there's people who are doing it their way. Oh, I can do this. Oh, you know, and started to work on myself. And my first thing was fitness. I walked into kickboxing gym. I did kickboxing and boxing. And then that helped me like, you know, get my anger under control and be a better person, I feel. But then I moved to fitness because I'm not a fighter. I realize I'm, I don't, don't want to fight. And so fitness really made me mentally stronger. And that was my first introduction to the whole mental strength. And that's when I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. I want to share this with the world. So then I became a trainer. So for the next 10 or 15 years, I was training people, learning about nutrition, learning about lifestyle. Um, so for me and, and for my clients as well. And then it was one of those questions like, why don't things, why don't people actually finish things? Why, like we all know what we need to do. Why don't they do that? So I really dove into the the brain, like how the brain functions. So as you see, my journey is very much from like very, but I feel like blank slate to very much building myself over the last 20 years. And now I'm an avid listener. I study all the time. I read something all the time. And I'm all about performance, my own performance. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Now I'm always understanding the input into somebody that led them to who they were. So I want to spend a little bit more time understanding First of all, why did you move from Eastern Europe to, to the States? Because that's not something that is, uh, I, I'm actually not sure, but I want to say that that's something that is that is common, especially at this younger age. And I would assume you were younger, but I could be wrong. Please correct me. Yeah, I was 16. So there was a little bit of a gap before the move. It's kind of crazy. I, I got hit by a car one night and my life was never the same. Like I, I had to go to the hospital, I was there for a month and I went to a rehab center and I was like on crutches for six months. And, um, but the reason I ended up going to States is um, to finish high school. It was actually very typical for people my age to finish senior year in States. And so I used that opportunity and my plan was to go back, honestly, because I was that person. I was raising one. I mean, we never moved. I, I, it was the same environment, same people, same, same, same. And as we all know now, you fall in the comfort zone. So even though I had this fire around me, like, why? Why would I do it? Like, I was still questioning things. I was there. 
So getting me out of there was at the time really traumatic for me because I was like, I'm 16 or 17. I don't want to move away from my friends. But it was the best time for me because I had no influence of my culture and my, my environment, my people to dictate further, to maybe even embed further in me, like, well, that's just how it is. So I was able to start getting that question answered more and more as to, wait, there could be another way to do this. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks for, for sharing that. So you moved to the States and then at some point in your life, you get into uh, training. You mentioned anger. I caught on uh, that word caught my attention. Can you elaborate a little bit why, why the anger, what's around it, where it came from and everything else? So after I moved to States, the goal was to finish high school and move back. Somewhere along the lines, I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to go back home. And my parents at the time decided that it was better for me to stay in States. Now, looking back, it was the best thing that happened to me. It's one of those things that it was the worst thing that happened to you. It was the best thing that happened to you. But at that time, I felt abandoned by my family. I didn't feel like I had support of my family at all. So I really shut down and that transpired into anger because I didn't want to be vulnerable, right? Anger is typically a secondary emotion to some something vulnerable. We're trying to cover that up. And when you're on your own, you're in survival mode and you're not trying to be vulnerable. So I got stuck in anger for many, many years. And that's what led me to boxing and kickboxing. Good catch. Okay, got it. So move from Eastern Europe to the state. When it's about time to move back, you kind of like, uh, it turned into anger. Anger turned into boxing and sports and fitness. Can you talk to me a little bit more about, first of all, how was that transition from a day-to-day a -day physical, mental, and also mindset, but also maybe the second point to that is how did that help addressing your anger issues, I suppose, or situation? Yeah. One of the things I always wanted to do was kickboxing. And again, going back to that cultural thing or, or maybe it was my mom's thing. She was like, you're a girl. You shouldn't do that stuff like that. So when I was on my own, it was probably like testing boundaries, seeing, you know, what I can achieve and probably being a rebel. And I was like, fine, I'm going to do it because now I'm on my own. So I walked into a gym. This was in, in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I walked into a gym and was very welcomed. Um, they are now doing MMA. Like, they're doing big stuff now. This was before all of that, before MMA, boom. And I started really getting that anger, all of that frustration. All of that was out in boxing and kickboxing. But that also, I guess, kind of like martial arts. It was Muay Thai. It, it calmed me down within, right? It, it made me realize, okay, I do have now all these skills. I'm building all these skills. I'm getting better at them. That doesn't mean I have to be the one starting anything, right? It kind of gives you that sense of you, you can finish things, so you don't even have to start them, right? And so that actually helped me calm down. But after about two years, I was training with fighters, and I was just getting beat up, and I was like, I'm, I, I just don't have the fighter's heart. You have to be wired differently to go in the ring and, and fight and I was just like, you know what? It's it's just not for me. It's time to go to the gym. Now, if you circle back, did he, did the training, the fighting, or attempt at least, did that help into solving or eradicating your anger feelings? Somewhat. That's a part of it, right? The physical is a part of it. Another one is mental and emotional. So I did have to really spend time. So I went, I would say, all in masculine energy, right? Like boxing, kickboxing training, all of that stuff. I was even in bodybuilding. But then I went the other way and I really dove into spirituality, which really takes care of the mental and the emotional, right? And I really dove into meditations and spending time by myself and journaling, all these things. And now I feel like I finally found my balance. And I think that maybe a lot of times people are afraid of using the word masculine or feminine, but you can use yin yang, black, white, it doesn't matter. Like whatever the opposites are, we all have both. And we just need to know when to bring each one out. And so I think I know all of that helped me on my journey of who I am today. But obviously, I'm constantly changing, peeling off the layers. And um, I really, really, really wanted to take care of myself mentally, emotionally, physically, and then spiritually. You mentioned all the journeys went through as far as mindset and everything else. One of the things that be interesting for us to understand is what were some indicators that you it sounds like you were looking for something. It could be eradicating the anger. It could be whatever else. But what were some indicators or some signs? The reason why I'm posing this question is some of us, if you're busy, you go your day, you do through day to day, you may not realize 
or me even at C or even look for those signs that, hey, maybe I'm angry. Maybe I need A, B, C, D. I'd love to hear from your perspective. Was it all subconscious or were you conscious that I have indicators? Or maybe looking back, were there any signs that you were like, okay, these are the signs that really triggered my quest for A, B, C, D, whatever it was? That is such a crucial question. And I honestly hope that everybody who listens to this asks themselves that. Because I got to a point where I was like, well, that's just who I am. And we hear a lot of people do that. Oh, that's just who I am. I'm an angry person. That's just how I am. And I was. I was a tough one, right? Like I was into bodybuilding. I was the one, don't mess with me kind of thing. And so there are definitely indicators. We all, of course, always see other people better than we see ourselves. So it took me a while to figure that out. But I was on a quest to search for some sort of a better life. I don't want to say I was really depressed, but I do remember having thoughts of, wow, I, I guess I'm sentenced to this life and, you know, death has to be easier than this. Like, I remember thinking that in my probably upper 20s, maybe even early 30s. And so, but I knew, I knew internally somehow that things can be better because you see people living better lives, you see people living worse lives. And that was that question that I was after, like, how, why? Why are these people living differently? And then, you know, I went through a whole like angry music type, you know, listening. And then I slowly started reading things. Like you, you pick up a sentence that someone says, you pick up a two. And then I started reading books and I was like, oh, okay. So things can change. And then there's this thing like you have to come to a point where you realize you are completely responsible for everything that happens to you. And that was the hardest thing for me because I think I ignored that for so long because, you know, when you're in a victim mentality, you're like, no, it's not this thing happened to me and that thing happened to me and that person stood me up and that person did me wrong. But then at the end of the day, when you're done with all these excuses, you go, well, nothing really changed. Sure, they're valid excuses. Sure, that person stabbed me in my back. Like all of that is valid, but nothing's really changing my life. So what kind of life do I want? And again, it was the hardest thing to be on my own through this, but it was the best thing to be on my own through this because I got to create myself and test myself. And it was just like one thing after another, I could just start noticing that I'm just not happy and that I'm always ready to fight and I'm always on the verge, like waiting for someone to do something wrong, right? And even though I, I was working on that inner calmness, there was that other part of me. And then I would start questioning that, like, okay, well, if I'm calm, why am I still feeling like ready to fight all the time and ready to not fight like started, but more like waiting for someone to do me wrong and then protect myself. That was more of that. And that's the survival mode. And so I started reading more and reading more and, and, and watching documentaries and, and just questioning more about myself, spending a lot of time by myself, whether it was painting, whether it was training and just putting my headphones on and just zoning out. And then I just started looking into myself more and more. The biggest turn was that, that acceptance, that sure, you can have all the excuses in the world and sure that happened. But at the end of the day, did I put in the effort to change anything? And that was a huge thing. And that is a huge thing for most people. Is there any advice or any maybe lessons from your experience to make that, that help you make that flip? Because somebody can spend the rest of their life really pointing at, each and, each and everybody else or each uh, external situation versus pausing and say, okay, let me grab the mirror and look at myself in the mirror. Is there anything or was it because you mentioned you were reading book, listening to some, some songs and maybe some stuff were catching your attention. But if you look back, is there something that maybe you can say to your younger self or maybe to others that, hey, when you, if, you, if, if you are in the same situation, this is something that you definitely should be looking at in order to really face the reality? Or is it basically just the odds? Like it's for those who believe in God, God will tell you or something would happen and we can't really predict. I, I think everybody's journey is different, but I went through the whole spirituality and getting them, you know, waiting for the messages and all that. I found that at the end of the day, we're still human on this planet Earth. We don't know afterward that for sure. I find that when I took action and started with action, things started changing for me. So you can meditate all day and then may work for you. But the truth is nothing will change 
until we take action. And that's what I started once I got out of that like ego trip, right? I was like, okay, what did I really do to change that situation? What did I do to contribute to that situation? Hard questions, right? But when you move the ego aside and you're able to be one-on-one with yourself and honest with yourself, the truth comes out. And then I started really looking into me and saying, okay, if everything starts from me, what can I do to tweak, change, and improve me? Starting with sleep and nutrition and even the way I was training and again, always revisiting what I was listening to, what I was watching, who are my friends? I literally came one, uh, one point to realize I'm like, I had to change my whole environment. And so, and that was people around me because I found myself, and this is so hard for people, especially when they have family around, it's not wrong to outgrow people. Sometimes you do. And when you outgrow people, you really have to strive to move on to the next level. And they may catch up maybe on a different level. It's their own journey. Beautiful. So I want to wrap this part up before we move on to your today. So how did that story end? So you had those challenges or those opportunities and turned those opportunities into what? So I'm curious to know how did all of those lessons and everything you've tried, what was the end of that story? Yeah. So I actually, after being in fitness and becoming a trainer, I ended up opening my own studio and that was in Nashville, Tennessee in the States. And I had my studio for about eight years. And obviously, again, I was meditating, reading stuff, all of that. But there was something also that was happening. My studio took off. Like we, we were six figures the first year, even though when I walked in there, I hardly had enough to cover the rent. As a matter of fact, I didn't. So I negotiated. I was like, well, I'm going to put the deposit down and get one month free. Is that going to work? And it worked magically. And so that was the whole inner thing of just like, I, I jump and then I learn how to swim. That's just that that's part of me that I don't want to change. That's kind of a good part because it made me gutsy, right? So I did that. I had the studio and and like I said, I was really successful right away. And I loved to survey people because I want to know why they chose me because we were in an area where you could have any other, anything else. I don't know if uh, th- people know Tybo from back in the day and Billy Blinks. So his daughter had a studio right down the road from mine. And that's a big name, right? So there were so many other options around. And I would love to talk to my clients about why did you choose to come here? And there was something crazy that they would say. They would say, well, it's because you care. I was like, "Um, okay, shouldn't everybody care for one? Um, But then it also, mind you, reminded me that there is something good within me that's really helping people out. And it started kind of peeling this layers off of me to say, it's not all bad, right? And, and, and I have more to give. And maybe if I start looking into my gifts differently, right? Other than what you were taught in school, math or science or whatever, right? What if my guest, gift is that I really do care and listen deeply to people, right? And it just started opening my brain to these possibilities of something that's not tangible, And that's when I just started diving deeper into that. Perfect segue into my next segment, if you will. And I'm looking at your profile here. You're helping business owners and entrepreneurs dominate their competition and win the game of business by performing their best mental and physical. All right. So tell me more about it. Just unpack it for us so that we understand not just what it is, but first and foremost, how did you transition from what you had just mentioned with your studio in Tennessee all the way down to that statement that the the folks that you help, we'd love to hear that uh, more about the transition. And actually this whole thing that we just covered is totally going to explain what happened. So as I mentioned, I went fully in the masculine, fully in the feminine or fully in the spiritual. And I found myself somewhere between and I found out that it's action that makes the results at the end of the day. The other things are going to help. But I cannot sit here and visualize a successful business and never do anything about it in order to create that possibility. That's when we have to challenge ourselves and make the calls or make introductions, whatever it is that we need to do in our business. When, when, I, when I was done with the studio, actually, I, I got burnt out. And after eight years, um, I sold my studio. And interestingly enough, I moved back to Eastern Europe 
where I spent uh, four years. I got married. I had my I had my kid there, and I just I had a reverse culture shock. I was in states for twenty years, which is interesting, right? Because when I was seventeen, I wanted to go back so bad. Now that I did go back, I was like, I got to get out of here. I just got to get out. of I cannot do this, and so. I started my online business because for one, I didn't want to be tied to a location anymore because every time when I was in Nashville, every time, like I loved Miami, I would love to travel and I would love to go to Miami too. But every time I had to come back because I was tied to the studio. So I decided I don't want to be tied to a location. Two, what are all my passions? What are things I'm good at? Who can I help? And what would I enjoy doing all day, right? What are my gifts? So I kind of took all of that together. I did this exercise and I really wanted to work with business owners because I get that mindset. Like I know how you think, you think differently. You just, you wire differently, which can be a blessing or a curse depending on the stage of your business. Um, and then everybody kept coming to me for health because of my background. And I went to my husband and I said, I, I don't want to do fitness anymore. I just, because in my head, I just kept thinking, fitness and that's not what I want to do. And he said, but health is your passion. You love helping people with health. So I went back to the drawing board. That's when I did my little exercise and I realized, okay, I love helping people be their best. I know how business owners work and that's about achieving the the most of that what you can. And in that process, I found that a lot of business owners struggle for one in finding what they need to do they struggle with their, obviously, that inner limiting beliefs. Because like me, I knew that things could go better, but I didn't have answers. And then I also found that within about, well, I'm going to say once they pass the startup stage, once they're like past survival point in their business, they start kind of relaxing and forgetting about their drive, forgetting about why they wanted to do it. Um, they're not at the same level. As they say, the wolf that's on top of the mountain is never as hungry as the wolf climbing the mountain. So I realized those are all the things that I, I, I really want to put together. And then I recognize, okay, people come to me for health. I know enough about nutrition. I know enough about sleep. I know enough about all these things. So I started taking myself to optimize myself because I'm always my own guinea pig. I never talk about things that I haven't been through. And then I started putting some clients to that. And I was like, this is it. This is the foundation. Like every business owner is not taking great care of themselves. And they never look into things like, sleep and nutrition and hydration and really optimizing how their brain functions. And exercise is a big one, right? It's always like, I just don't have time. I got to work. And you you live in a culture where you're told sleep less, work more. You got to work 20-hour days. And it's it's like, that is so far away from what success really is. Because even if you did that, you will get burnt out sooner or later. You can't do otherwise. And then why are you doing that at the cost of everything else in your life? You mentioned a few good points here, but I just want to make sure I capture those one at a time. The first one is I want to hear from you because you've worked a lot with um, high performers. I want to hear about, you mentioned limited belief, you mentioned um, health, you mentioned not living what I call harmony, as in from the perspective where some areas are, you got to give, which... I appreciate that you don't have to sacrifice anything, but what I hear from you is what, from your experience and from all your clients, what are some of the underlying beliefs that those high performance have that is holding them back? If you can share that, that'll be amazing. Self-worth. They don't feel worthy. It's always about self-worth. Um, I think that most business owners or people who are high achievers in high performance we all have some kind of chip on our shoulders. We do have somebody that we want to prove ourselves to, whether it be ourselves. Like, I want to prove to me, right? Like, I don't do anything for anybody else. I want to prove things to me. But it's that inner challenge. And that's, I feel like a lot of us were born that way. However, then society put this shadow on us in typically in our childhood as to what we're worth, what we're capable of doing. You hear things like you can't have it all and... Um, you know, life's too hard and money doesn't grow in trees. Like money's not easy to come and it's just for the few 3%, 1%, 5% depending on who you listen to, right? So you hear all these things and that gets, again, into subconscious mind. So there's this inner conflict of, I know I can do more. I know I can be more. I'm here to be more. But then I'm dealing with this stuff that was put on me. 
So it typically comes down to what I believe I'm worthy. But I will mention that again, to tie it up to action, you can't meditate into being worthy. Worthiness grows through action. Because if I know I have put in blood, sweat, and tears day in and day out in every aspect of my life I'm talking about, I'm not talking just business. I'm not going to dedicate my whole life to business about my, about my son, my husband, and the rest of my life. No, I'm talking about being your best in every single part of your life. It, it requires yourself to challenge yourself, to challenge those limiting beliefs. But by taking that action day in and day out, I'm starting to build that belief that, you know what? I just may be worthy because I've put in work and therefore I should be worthy. Let, let's dig in deeper. Let's talk about action. So let's just run this scenario where actually you could be a good one too, but let's just say I'm running my business. I have 10 employees. My business is really challenging, really taking up a lot of my time. I love it, but it's really pushing. And I, I have, let's just say two kids that are de demanding as far as maybe school, sports, and I have my family, and I love everybody. And let's just say I'm overweight and I can't spend time with my family or my friends. I'm really demanding, but I'm always pushing back. I'm, I don't take care of my kids. As much as I would want to, I have the intention. Let's talk about action. How can action can help me find more of the harmony between my business goals, my kids and family, my friends, and my body? So I would sit down with you and discuss a few things. I would ask to really dive deep into why is your business that important for you, right? Like what is the big impact you want to try to, do you want to accomplish in your life? Let's actually role play, if you will. So I would say I want uh, my business to be great because I want more freedom. I want to take my family, friends, and loved ones around the world. I want to be able to purchase something without looking at the price tag. I want to leave legacy to my kids. Yeah, that would be the answer. That's a, that's the first answer that comes to mind to people because that's what we all want, right? We want that. But why do you want that? Why is that freedom important for you? Why is legacy to your kids important for you? Why is it important for you to buy things without looking at the price tag? I want to, I'll say that, okay, growing up, I didn't have access to anything. I always rent off the big house, the big cars, the clothes, the whatever. So I want that. And I don't want my kids to have what I didn't have growing up. I want my kids to have a better life that, that I have. That would be my answer, for example. And then why? So you have to ask why five, at least five times. It has to get so deeply, like so subconsciously emotionally, because now if we go into, well, why is it important for your kids to have a better life? Why is it important for you to live differently than you did when you were growing up? I, I hated my life growing up and I want my kids. I want to give them the opportunity to decide to have more options. I didn't have any option. And I just want to give, give a motion so that I can feel better my, about myself as a, as a parent, as a friend, as a business owner. Yeah. So why would it be important for you to feel better as a parent and as a person overall? Why is it important for you to prove that to yourself? Because I know it's possible. I see a lot of people having it all. And growing up, I thought it was not possible. Now I know it's possible. And I want a piece of that harmony and happiness as well. Okay. So what I'm hearing is more like, you don't want to live in regret one day of not trying. There you go. Right. Yes. Right. So the fear of that regret can be your driving force to do anything, right? So now that we know the why, like to me, it's the same exact thing. Like the fear of regret is so huge for me that I will do whatever I need to do. Like when you, when your fear of that or whatever it is for the person, it's not the same for everybody. But for me, for example, you, the fear of regret can be so heavy that the daily tasks don't even seem that big of a deal anymore because I know that today having to make a few cold calls or whatever it is that I don't want to do is way lighter, nothing in comparison to that regret that I could feel, right? How do you keep that feeling strong? You can have a day where everything's perfect. You kind of get lazy or forget or push stuff back out in your list. How do you keep that strong? And also going back to what you mentioned about actions, what are the actions that I could take to overcome and keep being a great performer and keep the harmony in my life? Yeah. So now we know the why, then we're going to get into values. What are your values? Because most people live in disharmony because they're not in line, well, they're not in harmony with their values. If my value is family, if my value is spending time with my kid while he's little, but I'm spending 20 hours a day working, day in and day out, and really not being present for him, 
that I'm not in line with my values. And a lot of men especially have a conflict with this because they're raised to be the ones bringing home the money, the ones taking care of the family, but they also want to be a family uh, figure, father figure, and they have a lot of inner conflict with that. So now we got to get to values and got to get very clear on values. After that, all boils down to how you run your day. From how you slept to how you run your whole day, because I'm going to get 100%, but 99% of business owners can delegate a lot of things. That will free up your time, and that's called leveraging, right? A lot of people don't really know how to leverage. But if I hire someone to do $10 an hour job for me and it's freeing my time, now I'm free to either make more money during that time or spend time with my family. It's going to have to be aligned with my values. And obviously, how you run your business when you're single and when you're you know, in your 20s and 30s may be different than how you run your business when you have kids and they're little kids and all of that changes. That also goes with understanding what phase am I in and what am I willing to give up and what am I willing not to give up, right? Just a simple example. Um, until recently, we lived in a different apartment complex, um, a different building, and they didn't have a gym. So I had my bands. I had my home workouts. I'm the gym kind of person, right? But I knew that if I take my time to go to the gym and do my workout and come back, it's too much time away from my kid, where when I'm home, I can work out in 20 to 30 minutes top, and he can even join me, right? So I was okay with not having the exact body that I want because the price for me was spending time with my kid, and I knew it was a phase of my life. Now we moved to this amazing place that has its own gym, and now... I go and he can come with me and it's not a big deal. So now it's a different phase, okay? But that came consciously making that decision because if I wasn't conscious, I would keep getting frustrated because I'm either not spending enough time with my son or I'm not working out how I want to, right? So it's it's making conscious decisions of what am I willing to give up and what am I not. Once people know how to leverage too, they can also outsource a lot of work and free up their time. So I hear the first layer of the foundation really is to know your values, which could be a big deal. I'm a couple layers to this, a couple angles to that. The first one is my values could be, I don't want to say corrupted, but disguised because I may th- I may be, may be thinking to what you were saying that I need to bring, I need to bring the breadwinner, I need to bring uh, money, I need to take care of my family. But take care of the family could be, I think oh, I need to bring a million back home for example, right? So how do I, or how did you, or how do you suggest defining the value? What's important to me? Because like I said, it could be disguised. It could be all blurry. I may think in what is one thing, but in reality, it is something else. Because I think that's really super important in the foundation. And number two, values, as you mentioned, would change over time. When I'm a teen, when I'm in college, when I first graduated, when I have one kid, when I have five kids, when I retire. So how do I navigate and always remain on top of my value at each and every phase of my life? So it's definitely an exercise that's really worth taking, but it takes time. And I'll share my values with you, for example. Now, my values are different than my company values, right? When you have a company, you are hiring and, and running your business by those values. And that can be, you know, like presence, punctuality, um, over-serving or things like that. Uh, my personal values, my first comes health, and that's mental, emotional, physical, um, spiritual, and financial. Because when I have that balanced, then I can move on to my family, which some people are like, why is family in your second place? Because to me, when I'm doing well mentally, emotionally, physically, I can be a better person for my family. But once again, it was like I was not at the top physically, for my standards, like I said, because I wanted to spend time with my son, but I consciously made that decision, right? And then comes my family. So it's like, how am I with my family? And then, of course, comes my business and networking and then my impact on the world. So to me, my family comes right away, which means when I'm with my son, there's no phone. I'm not on my phone. I'm not replying to the emails. And sure, we all struggle with this, but it has to be that conscious decision. I suggest at least once a year, January or December would be great times for this to sit up for the next year, to really sit down and decide what are my values? What would I like to see happen this year? What would need to happen by the end of this year to feel like, okay, 
I have no regret. I've done things the way I wanted to do. So it's all about getting granular in how I think, in my values, in how I spend time, in how present I am. So all these things, we start going deeper in, right? How I sleep, how I eat, how I operate, how have I been thinking? All of these things have the big influence on how I'm going to show up today. And then, of course, adjusting. Like what I do with my clients literally every week, we go, how was last week? What was good? What was not good? What could be done better? Okay, and what can we do next week to make sure that we show up and do better and do a little bit better, right? Is it going to happen every time? No, we're not. We're human at the end of the day. We got to leave a little bit of room of flexibility there. Why are you confident in the values you have you have just laid out, the five ones? Because I'm sure when you were 16, you probably didn't think about it, but 10 years ago, maybe it was different. How can you be so confident that, okay, these are the values that I want to leave by, and how frequently do you go up and say, okay, this one, not really top on my value value list? For one, it's always about staying aware of yourself, right? So how do I feel at the end of the day? Do I feel like I accomplished a lot, right? Because if I work, let's say, 10 hours for the day, and I come out of my office, I work from home, and my kid is always on to me, mom, where are you, where are you? And he's wanting to spend time with me. That cannot make me feel great, right? So... It can happen, right? Occasionally you have long days, but it doesn't make me feel great at the end of the day. I don't feel like I performed great as a parent. So that's where right away I feel, oh, there's something not in balance there, right? So what can I do to spend a little bit more time with my child, right? Is it going to be all day? No, it's not. I have my mission and I have an impact that I want to leave onto the world. And it, then from there, it's this dance of finding where you feel the most balance. Again, we're human. We're not robots. It's not going to be perfectly balanced every day. But if we can achieve that for the most part, if we can achieve that for the most days and then not judge ourselves for the days it wasn't great, but learn from them, then that's it. All you have to do is evaluate how do I feel around my heart? Really, at the end of the day, do I feel like I achieved all the things that I wanted to achieve? And is everything okay with people around me who matter to me? Beautiful. Thank you. Now I want to switch gears and talk about the importance of sleeps and um, brain function. I, I know you and I touched on that in, before recording here, but can you touch on specifically for high achievers and business owners? Because I have a to-do list and I feel like if I don't hit my to-do list, that it's a problem. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I could take up, I could sleep a lot, uh, you know, less time today versus tomorrow, but you, you're a strong uh, supporter, yeah, for lack of a better word, of sleep. Can you touch on the important, on the importance of, of sleep for high achievers and business owners? Sleep is the number one most underrated high performance hack uh, because we've lived in society that says sleep less. And it's if you walk into a room and ask people, if you have a huge to-do list, what part of your life will you sacrifice from to get that done? They'll say sleep because we have been conditioned to think that way. The problem with that is when we don't get enough sleep, our brain doesn't function optimally. So we're already moody. We already cannot make decisions at the level we could if we were rested. We're hungrier more because the body is trying to find energy from somewhere, but you're not giving it what it needs. So it's going to give you signals of being hungrier. And then as business owners, what people do is like, oh, just grab something, just grab something. And then it just creates a whole other havoc. So sleep is extremely crucial when it comes to productivity. And not just the amount of sleep, it's the quality of sleep. So when I work with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, I'm putting a group together right now, uh, they get a sleep tracker. For one-on-one -on -one clients, we get Aura Ring. They get to really get into what these numbers are and how am I sleeping because that is a huge indicator of how I'm going to perform the next day. Right. So again, we're not robots. It's not like I'm going to sleep perfectly every night. But if I wake up and I know I'm tired, I right away have to look into what do I need to adjust to make this optimal in the optimal way possible. Like, what do I need to eat better? Hydration has to be on point, all of those things. Uh, sleep quality is extremely essential for brain function, but for even brain, regen brain cell regeneration. When we go into deep sleep and then REM sleep, our brain cells rege regenerate, but also deepen the things that we have done that day. So when we're trying to establish a habit, We'll know how, how hard it is to change your habit. These things help. Sleep helps. 
It helps to get ideas. It helps to embed all of the things that we have previously done. And then it just continues on the next day. And it's been proven in every single study that lack of sleep, even one night, makes a significant difference in the way the brain functions. What I'd love to hear from you is, have you ever come across a situation, either yourself or one of your clients, didn't want to hear anything about getting more sleep because they feel like it's going to conflict and it's going to impede their ability to perform better? Because I can see around me folks who are going to say to me, no, nah, I don't want to hear any of that stuff. Please, let me just do what I have to do. And how would you address that? Yeah, so I have, of course. Uh, we typically agree on at least six hours. So it's like I negotiate with them. But the funny thing is the moment they start actually getting deeper sleep, even with these, those six hours, they're starting to realize how much more they're getting done in a day. And that's that mental transition that you're talking about. Like, oh, no, I don't want to hear about it. Don't tell me that. But the moment you test it out, you can get more done in less time, right? You can make better decisions. You're more decisive even. You're not going back and forth like, oh, which one should I choose? Which way should I go? You'll actually become a better business owner, in my opinion, because you can make better decisions. So for those who are having a hard time, I always say minimum of six hours because that's four sleep cycles, one and a half hours each. Ideally, we move to seven and a half hours. But then that becomes very individual. So essentially what I'm hearing is that the tracking of the sleep correlated with along with the, the action related to that, something like that would basically prove and show them evidence that, hey, you didn't want to believe it, but look at the facts. The facts are showing that you get eight hours of sleep, you can do 10 more things versus if you get three hours of sleep, for example, right? Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that they don't, typically business owners don't hear because we're hustlers, like just get it done, is that, you know, you're, you're hustling so hard for success that is not guaranteed, which means you could be hustling for a year, but could you, you could be hustling for 15 years. In those 15 years, you can damage your health so much through just lack of sleep that you will not be able to enjoy anything you work for. And you will not last for 15 years, that's factual, with chronic lack of sleep. And then the people will say, well, I'll make it up on the weekend. Sleep is really never made up. The, the, the brain, in a lack of a better term, the brain damage is permanent. So every time we are playing with our brain, that's not the game that we're going to win. So what I suggest people to do is start looking into how to optimize themselves so that they can get more done in less time. Because when you get more done in less time, your success is going to come quicker. So now instead of three years dragging, I can get things done in less than a year because I'm optimizing myself. But that means taking it seriously, not just sleep, but my PM habits, my, my sleep, my AM habits, how I run my day, tracking my day, not making sure that I'm not distracted. When I did this exercise years ago, I, I took literally a piece of paper and a pen next to me, tracked every single thing I did that day, and I found an extra hour and a half altogether in my day that I was wasting. An hour and a half a day. Most people don't want to admit that, but it's true. You could distract you. Let me check this. Let me check that. Let me, let me go this. Oh, let me reply to this. It's like a known thing that business owners, we all have some form of ADHD because we are just all over the place. But when you really work on work on doing the deep work, on working on one thing, but that one thing doing it really good, and when you find your 20%, you know the 80-20 rule, the 20% of your tasks are bringing you 80% of your results. So focus on those 20. Business owners, we love our businesses so much, it's so hard to delegate and let go. And we have this belief of you can't find good people to work. It's not easy, but it's doable. And when you start doing that and you start delegating these tasks that are exhausting you, you start focusing on your craft, your craft only. And now you have time to sleep, to have time with your family, to build your business at a race, that, at the pace that you'd never think possible. Beautiful. I'd love to hear to get a little bit more into the business side as we're about to wrap up this conversation. Can you share a little bit about what is the typical, I call it precondition or or state of your clients when they come into your world and what is the state after essentially i want to hear more about the transition or the transformation rather that you help them just for me and the audience to understand okay if i have these symptoms or if if i'm in this condition i should reach out or maybe learn more about you so that i can get that as an output 
It's a little bit of a spectrum, right? I have people who are like, I already feel like I'm at an eight or a nine with all my things. I just want to take it up to another level. I've worked with um, a CEO who had just all job, right? Like no family time, nothing. And we worked on changing that to actually balance him better and still do his job in the right way, delegate more about being present for the family. But most often, it's people who are on the verge of a burnout, oftentimes even more burnt out than they would admit, uh, they're, they're hustling, right? Like they're, they're, I'm running the business, I'm going, I keep going, I don't question things, I'm just going to go, 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 go. But they're starting to feel a little bit of that burnout. They're starting to feel like their drive is not white where it was. They're still trying to hustle through it, right? Uh, they know oftentimes they're lacking sleep, they just don't know what to do about it, right? And it's funny because oftentimes they know they're lacking sleep, but there's still that inner limiting belief shift like, oh, let's work on your PM habits and let's work on your AM habits because I know, I know that it's possible. You just have to tweak things. And it's not about putting anybody through this huge transformation first day. It's about tweaking things. Where are you at with your sleep? Where are you at with your nutrition? How do you want to feel? So oftentimes it's people who are starting to, they call it now COVID weight. They, they gain weight because they've been sitting at home a lot which is typical for business owners, they're not sleeping so great. They know their nutrition could be better. So it's that stage where they're like, I know things could be better, but I'm so focused on my business that I'm now willing to stop and check in. And that would be like saying, I'm too busy driving my car. I don't have time to stop for, to get gas. It's like, well, you're going to have to, at some point, one way or another, stop and refill that tank because, because it's going to run out. And that's the same with us business owners. I love the analogy of, you know, uh, driving and not, what did you say? Say that again, not having time to get. Yeah. It's like saying, I'm so busy driving a car that I don't have time to stop for gas. Yeah. I love, I love that one. Uh, why don't they do it? So if you would think, and we both know that it's not true, but we, you would think that if a business owner or somebody that's a high achiever, typically they'll be conscious enough, aware enough to be to know that, okay, I need to fix this, but why don't they do it themselves? Is it simply the limited belief that, or that belief, I don't know if it's limited or not, that, hey, I'm good, I'll figure it out. Why don't they do it themselves to the point where they actually reach out to somebody to say, hey, I need help versus saying, because you have to, you basically have a fork. If you realize that, hey, I have an issue, you can be have that ego and say, oh, I can figure it out, I can look for a solution myself, I'm good. And go the other route and say, hey, I'm going to look for somebody like X or somebody to help me. Curious to know what is taking them to reach out versus yeah. trying to do it uh, themselves. So if someone considers themselves a high achiever, if they're not a high performer, they're not going to be achieving a lot for a long time. So you have to become a high performer to achieve big things in your life. You, you just have to. You cannot not know how your day runs. You cannot not optimize your day and your exercise and your sleep and think, oh, I'm going to keep achieving things. It's just not possible. Second thing is, why did Michael Jordan have a coach or a thousand coaches? He had probably like seven coaches all the time. Why did Tiger Woods have a golf coach, right? Why did Kobe Bryant have a basketball coach? Because it's that little tweak that they make it makes a huge difference in the long run. So you can't play at the level of someone who can't even make MBA and then try to be MJ or Kobe Bryant. You have to watch what are they doing. So all successful people have a team of coaches, consultants, whatever you want to call them. They go, I want to write a book. Let me hire someone to help me write a book. I want to get in better shape. Let me hire a trainer to get in better shape. Right? They do the research on who they're going to hire. Sure, that, that's the due diligence everybody should do. But if you want to go beyond what you think you can achieve, you cannot do it on your own. Nobody has done it on their own. They chose, right? MJ was alone on the court. Kobe Bryant was alone in their world on the court. They, they stepped into the, the, the position on the court. But to build who they were, they weren't alone. I love it. That's one of my favorite examples. I have to say to folks all the time that you know, if you want to be the best, you have to be around the best. And that the sports to me is the best example in the world. You know, when you hear people saying, okay, that person spending a million dollars on their health, 
or in their body, then, you know, to what I do best, I need to be around professionals at what they do so that as a collective, I can have a better input. So I love that you share that, which basically comes back, maybe it supports what I always say. Last but not least, how can more folks find out about you? Who should reach out to you? And why should they reach out to you? And how should they reach out to you? Great question. So my name is Lex Vuko, L-E-K-S-V-U-C-K-O. I'm on all social media. I'm on uh, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It's probably the easiest way to find me. The method that I take my clients through, I call it the Vuko method. So that's the website, the Vuko, V-U-C-K-O method.com. Or my alter ego, which is Herculex, which is another exercise I do with my clients to create the alter ego. So yeah, I'm Lex. My clients created this name Herculex with KS, and that's Herculex.com. That's another website. Um, the best way to reach out to me is on social media, I would say. Uh, who could reach out to me? Anybody who knows that can do better, uh, whether it's sleep, nutrition, hydration, time management, uh, discipline. Discipline is what I show people how to do through the workouts. Um, some of my clients have personal uh, trainers on their own, and we just work on I work with them sometimes on how to optimize that. Um, people who are feeling maybe on the verge of burnout, right? Like who know they're hustling and something's got to give. Um, sometimes it's people who are starting to feel sickly as well because we can optimize that and, and of course find out if anything else is going on. And why should they reach out to me? Um, because I, well, for one, many coaches don't, but I actually guarantee results. So I take seriously what I do, um, provided that I always say 100% of my clients that have done work have gotten results. Like it cannot not work. Um, and I 100% believe in what I do and everything I preach is something that I've experienced and taken my clients through. I love the guarantee. I love the peace of mind. That's always, that's always a good one. A quick one. I'm looking at the website here and I see, where's that? Is that a dog? Is that a wolf? There's wolf. two crazy eyes really... Uh, saying hi to me what's the impression inspiration behind that so i have a tattoo on my arm that's a hungry wolf i always see myself as that hungry wolf that's climbing the mountain i never honestly i never want to be on top of the mountain because i always want to go to the next level that i can achieve a wolf to me represents an animal who can do in their own who protects their own and who likes to be left alone to do what they want to do um, and they're one of those creatures that are very misunderstood, which I think bis many business owners, we probably uh, can align with that more than anything else. Maybe that's why we always call ourselves black sheeps, but I like a wolf more because the wolf is the hungrier one. And, uh, and then it just so happens that my last name became a twist of the word wolf um, as I got married. So it's just kind of like everything in my life shows as a wolf. And that's the hunger, baby, the hunger that you should never satisfy. Beautiful story. I love it. I love, I'm glad that we touched on it. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. I put all the information, your information and the resources in the show notes and the description below this video. Thanks for your time, Lex, and we'll should be in touch very soon. Thank you for having me.